All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, is my right-hand man, Lou. Lou, another week in the books, and we're here to discuss our kind of week six recap, if you will. I think, I personally think, a pretty interesting week, but now it's time to reflect on what we saw. It's Wednesday evening, and week seven is less than 24 hours from being upon us. Time to check the temperature. How are we feeling this evening? Feeling great as always. Anytime I'm talking to you, Weston, you know, you're like the sun to my, you know, my day. You brighten up my day so much, Weston. So I'm loving being here tonight. Dude, I love your enthusiasm. And this is why I asked you to be a part of it because you pay (laughs) me the best compliments of all time. Um, Remind me that I owe you 50 for, for that one. But before we get started, Lou, I always want to... to check our wins and losses and keep us honest here at the we're talking football podcast. Yeah, for shit talking purposes. Yes. And there are a couple of things that I think we need to call out. First, I did go back and fact check this based on some text message exchanges between you and I this week. And you did call that the Tennessee Titans would beat the Buffalo Bills in Monday night football. Are you feeling good about that call? Yeah. Listen, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought that like, a lot of these like teams, your Buffalo Bills, your LA Chargers, uh, can't think of uh, Dallas Cowboys. They're built to stop. They'll try to like slow down a passing offense. So what that what that basically means is you are sacrificing some beef in the interior to stop the run because no one really runs you know too much anymore in the modern day NFL. However, there are a couple of teams like your Browns that also your Titans that are strictly smash mouth football. And guess what? They don't match up well against these teams. So if somehow, some way the, the, the Titans or Browns or another, uh, or the, the Vikings can keep it close, they're going to wear down these, these smaller, more athletic defenses, and they're just going to run all over them. And I had a feeling like, you know what? I feel like that was going to happen this, uh, this past Monday. And it did. Yeah. I, so I predicted the Bills to win this game, but I did say that the Titans had a chance if they could control the clock and make this a, a you know, establish the run and be dominant in the run, which is what they did. But I did call the Bills to win this game, and I was wrong. You were right. So there's a fact check. Second fact check is I said the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, would beat the Denver Broncos. This you is had true. said the Broncos. So I'm on my high horse a little bit. I mean, that game is a coin toss, like under normal circumstances, but I just felt like the team would rally. Yeah. Would totally rally around an interim coach with everything else that was going on. And I think they did so in convincing fashion. So that was my takeaway from the week because things for me, like fantasy football and having a team on a bye week weren't so pretty this weekend. So Mm -hmm. that was my, my shining star. The other thing that I think is important, again, because I'm here to fact check us, right? That all this is recorded, all this is documented. I want to ensure that we are providing accurate information. And last week, we brought up D'Amico Ryans as a defensive coordinator. And what I'm fact checking here is both of us, not just you or I, both of us had who claim to be like, collegiate experts on to where he's not from Oklahoma he's not from Oklahoma he played at the University of Alabama 
D'Amico Ryans. Wasn't there another linebacker then from Oklahoma? <clears throat> I don't know. Wow. Either way, we're wrong. You just blew, you just blew my mind there. Sir. Hey, listen, I am just every once in a while I get this glimmer of hope where it's let me go. I didn't I didn't feel so confident in that that conversation or that talk track or whatever it might be. And I went back and I fact checked us. Um, something just didn't sit well with me, and and that was it, and we were both wrong. So to the audience, again. We're not right 100 percent of the time, but we're gonna come back here and we're gonna let we're gonna let you know when we won. We're gonna let you know when we lost. We both had a win this weekend and we both shared a loss this past yep. weekend. So here we are. Nonetheless, quick question: Were you able to see uh, uh, for our pickums like who uh, who had a better uh, record? I, I did not do win loss like for the records. I think we were. I mean, outside of me having the Bills game wrong. You had the Lions game wrong. I had the Lions game wrong. So, dude, I'm so glad you brought this up. Because oh, I'll this... point you, listen, I'll point you out whenever you're wrong, anytime yeah, you want. Man. I love it, dude. This was remember if, if you remember exactly what I said last weekend that this was a topic of conversation in my household due to Survivor League implications. Mm -hmm. So, my wife and I were camping this weekend with our family, and my my mother's like still alive in this Pick'em League, right? Like my brother is still alive in this Pick'em League. So we're going back and forth. And my wife is just like, I'm, I don't, I'm, she's so mad at me because I made her listen to our podcast on the, the ride up. And she's like, that was, That's, basically, that is, that is cruel, by the way, <laughs> very cruel and unusual punishment, but it was basically me unveiling the curtain being like, surprise. I don't think you should pick the bangles this week that she was so confident about. So that threw her for a loop. So I let her sleep on it all weekend and it would come up. I'm dude, we were hiking through waterfalls. And this is still a topic of conversation. Like, Sounds so I, romantic. I, it, honestly, it was. It was yeah. definitely an enjoyable time. The unromantic parts were where she'd be like, I hate you because you're making me second guess my pick. <laughs> and I told her, I was like, then go with your gut. Go with your gut. Go with your or gut. Just go like, with Lou. Just go I'm with not, Lou. Yeah, I'm not here to point you in any direction. I'm just telling you what I think, right? Like most teams don't go 0-17 is what it pans out to be. In a home mm -hmm. game, like, I'm trying to just label what this really is. So she still decided to go with the Bengals. So when we got home from camping and we're watching the Bengals game, she is staring at me the entire game with this shit eating grin. Like, what do you know about football? You and your buddy have a podcast. Like maybe I should run the podcast, right? Like no. that type of look. And I'm just so embarrassed, but felt so good for her. And this pick em league is the the survivor league is like the best thing ever because she pays more attention to football than she ever has specifically because she wants to, I won't say why, but I'm out of this league. Mm -hmm. I no longer have skin in this game. Right. So she is weeks beyond me in this league and she loves every second of it. That's awesome, bro. Good, good stuff, man. It, it's great to hear. It's fun. Family fun. All right. So since we're talking about the home, I think a perfect segue to get into our first segment, as we always do, let's talk about those hometown takes. Your Chargers travel to the East Coast, to Baltimore, to play the Baltimore Ravens. My 49ers, thankfully, or not thankfully, we're on a bye week this week. So let's dive in. Let's talk about that Chargers-Ravens game. All right, so let's uh, start off with the good. There won't be too much. 
Uh, first and foremost, uh, last week I did say stated that I felt like the Ravens were going to win this game. Once again, I thought it was, it was just too much for the Chargers, what they've been through uh, and the gauntlet they've been through these the first five weeks of the season, uh, the, the matchups they faced, uh, the travel, some of the traveling they've done. So once again, I have to go back to the East Coast, a one o'clock game, face a Ravens defense that I felt like it was going to be too sophisticated for them. Did I not say that? I thought their blitz yep. games were going to be sophisticated. If your offensive line can hold up against them, there's huge holes in this Ravens defense. But I thought with the both the right side of that offensive line, the right guard and the right tackle, I felt like they're not going to be able to hold up. So you're going to have to make decisions quicker. Or Herbert was going to have to make decisions quicker. And I always thought that was going to be a problem for the LA Chargers. So I I was I was a I'm a pessimistic person you know, to begin with. But I was not really feeling good about this game. And even if, if we go back two weeks ago, I said the Chargers need to either beat the Browns or the Ravens. They have to go one and one these next two games to, to continue their momentum. And when they beat the Browns, I thought I'd give them a little leadway to kind of have this clunker of a game uh, before they're by against the Ravens. So the good. 100%. 100%. Not too much, like I said. First and foremost, there was a pass rush that showed up on Sunday. Uh, they had three sacks against the ever elusive Lamar Jackson. Uh, Bosa was all over the field. He had a sack. Uh, Nuosu, their other edge rusher, he had a sack. And then the most impressive, I think, was Joseph, their nose tackle, Limbaugh Joseph. How the hell does he ever get a sack on Lamar Jackson? It was very impressive. He came right up the middle, and it was a nice sack from the big guy because he's like 350. Like he's a, he's a hefty man. So for him to catch Lamar Jackson, that was impressive. Uh, last, but the only other good thing I can think of of this game is the continued develop, development of Kaiser White, number 100%. 44. Dude, if you, you didn't mention this, I was I was chiming in with this. I agree yeah. wholeheartedly. So keep on your thought. Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, you, you alluded to the fact that he was all over the field. Like, who the hell was number 44? And, yeah, he, he's been great job. Uh, he's, a, he's done a great job going uh, east and west coast uh, when it comes to covering the field for, you know, tackles and what have you. But he showed a little more improvement on, on his – uh, pass uh, pass coverage skills, and he hauled in two interceptions. Yeah. And he's starting to prove that he is a proven commodity on this defense. Uh, so he, it's nice to see that his he, his uh, maturation is still uh, continuing to ascend. So good for him for, you know, once again, being a cog of this defense because they do need more playmakers, and he's shown that he's stepping up. So that's pretty much all I have from a, a good standpoint. Uh, you also can throw in there, I, I didn't feel like, Lamar Jackson really ran all over them. Uh, they, I felt like they contained him pretty well with, the, with their muddle, with their muddle pass rush. I know he had like 50 yards, but like he normally he would kill them even more. I would uh, I would say uh, on the ground uh, and the, the yards that he got, I feel like it weren't really big chunks. It was like seven yards here and what have you. So they contained his scrambling ability to a, a minimum as much I as you could. I think they contained him entirely. Um, dude, 211 total yards. Throwing yeah. and rushing combined through two picks, right? So I think to that... me, the defense wasn't the issue this week. Oh, I disagree. I just think – I think what you're thinking, like Lamar Jackson, I told you he's MVP before this game even started. I think he's so much more intelligent now that he's literally taking what the defense has given him. And he realized the defense was honing on him and he let the running backs, basically the three running backs that they had, 
Nope. Go get your yards. He's like, okay, we'll kill you slowly. And I felt like he was mature enough not to force things and big things. When I'm making me to make a big throw or big run, I'll do that. But if you're gonna let uh, give up the middle of your defense, you know, for our running backs to rush, I'll just keep on handing the ball off. And if you, yeah. I don't want to get too much into it, but uh, that was a proven thing that was going on uh, throughout the whole game was the fact that he just let his other playmakers. Uh, you know, slowly kill the Chargers. And that's a sign of intelligence and being mature, I would say. So give me a little bit about the bad. A little bit. Ooh, where do we start? Okay. First oh, and foremost. A little bit. Okay. If I was being completely honest with you, I do feel like they were outcoached and they had a lot of questionable, uh, questionable play call decisions. That I would, that's basically how my head scratching. I'm not talking about the fourth downs. I'm fine with the fourth downs. I'm fine with what they missed. They only had – Ravens only had six points on those two turnovers and downs. So I don't, I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about, though, Weston, is the fact that I was questioning what they saw in their matchups. How many times were they going after Marlon Humphrey? Yeah. But why would you go after a, a, a top 10 cornerback like that constantly? That and we both had sh- rated in the top 10, by the way. Yeah. I, I didn't understand that. Like one of the fourth downs, you're letting your third round rookie, who's barely been on the field, Joshua Palmer, go up against Marlon Humphrey, uh, kind of like a comeback route or like a uh, shoulder uh, route. And that's that's what you want to do on a fourth down. This this kid hasn't really seen too much of the field, and you want he's going up against one of the best cornerbacks in the league. In a high-pressure situation, you're going to entrust him to make the big catch. Didn't like that. Why? I don't understand why they weren't attacking Anthony Everett, uh, who was who got murdered the week before by you know Carson Wentz and the Colts. I felt like they kept on going way too many times at Marlon Humphrey, and he kept on knocking the ball out of um, Mike Williams' hands, Joshua Palmer's hands. He, he showed why he was a top-ten cornerback. Uh, Next, the drops. Drops an issue. Everyone keeps on talking about all the weapons that are out there in L.A., and they are phenomenal, and they do a lot. They get open, big play, I have you. But drops have been an issue with the skill position for the Chargers. They have four players with a drop rate of 10% or higher. Williams, 13.2%, Cook, 12.5%, Allen, 11.4%, and Guyton, 10%. That's a problem when you have all those players drop balls. Those those are, uh, you know, drive killers, momentum killers. They put you back into situations where, you know, now it's second and long. And, and you, you know, you, you, you need to, to change your philosophy because you weren't able to get those, those passes. I, I was really uh, concerning to see these – these skilled players who are highly touted just be lazy and lacks of concentration with these drops. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, last but not least on the offensive side, I just felt like Herbert had trouble deciphering that defense. Like I said before, the blitzes uh, of Baltimore confused him. You can just tell the way he was playing. Uh, he just wasn't sure himself. He, he wasn't trusting his first reads and he just was, it was a struggle to get the ball out of his hand and into the correct, you know, read. So it's kind of, it's kind of like reminiscent when he went against New England last year. I'm not sure if you remember that, that yep. he had a clunker there. That and, game. Yep. and they do have a similar type of defense. You're very complicated, multiple fronts, three, four, four, three, uh, you know, and I think that causes him some, it causes him to think more than he should, as opposed to just play. He's more comfortable when he's just playing, not overthinking it. Uh, on the defensive side, they were overpowered in the running game. Once again, back-to-back weeks. This is the third time this year. First with the Cowboys, then the Browns, now the Ravens. This seems to me like the majority of the game, whatever the Ravens did on first down, you know, whoever they ran it with, 
automatically got six to seven yards. It always was second and three and second and four. And this is a huge problem for a defense. Why? Because when you're on second and three and second and four, your offense can do anything. They can run it again, try to get Playbook's chip it away. Playbook's wide open. Playbook's can, wide open. Exactly. And that causes now your defense doesn't know what to do. It makes them play tentative. The reason why I feel like this was happening is because the second and le- third level um, players on that defense, the linebackers and the safeties, were so concerned with Lamar Jackson, right? They were not being aggressive. They were being tentative. They're playing tentative and more reactionary. Let's, okay, so let's just make sure he gives the ball to, you know, hand the ball off to uh, Latavius Murray. Let's make sure, like, they were always a step behind because they were thinking what so much because they were so worried yeah. what Lamar was going to do is more reactionary. And that is an issue. You don't ever want to play. When you're on a defense, you don't want to ever be reactionary. You don't want to play off. Of, you want a good defense will make the, off, the other offense worry that, hey, like, what are they going to do to us as opposed to how are we going to stop them? I just think they didn't want to like over pursue, right? Like they wanted to make sure they stayed home and their responsibility, which just leaves gaps on the field and allows those individuals, but you know, like you said, Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, whoever it is, eat up mm-hmm. five, six, seven yards per carry. But uh, that's uh, pretty much for me. Uh, that was the game in a nutshell. And like I said, I'm, re- I'm repeating myself. But Lamar Jackson, the fact that he's been so accurate from the from the, the pocket, he puts so much stress on the defense because, yeah, because no one's thinking of him being a, a natural thrower. But guess what? He is starting to evolve into one. And, oh, yeah, the fact – the minute you forget that this guy is perhaps one of the fastest players on the field, yep. that's the minute he can run for 30 yards and, and just – and just totally ruin your, you know, your, you know, your third down plan. That's, I think that's, what's becoming the issue this year is in the past, you said, all right, I'll let Lamar Jackson beat me with his arm, not with his legs. The arm talent's always been there in my opinion. Right. But it it was like questionable decisions and poor throws, not reading the defense correctly. And clearly the maturation has showed that, He's learning defenses. He's understanding how NFL teams are scheming against them. If you looked at this on paper, it wasn't a lum- I mean, dude, a week ago he had he accounted for over 500 yards of total offense by himself. This week I just mentioned just a little over 200 yards, but it's decision making at the right point in the right time. You and I both know every quarterback goes into the the huddle and they're getting two calls and it's based on the defense. Here's your run Here's your pass. And I think he's finally saying, I'm going to take what the defense gives me to your point, right? Like, and if it it's a five yard handoff, it's a five yard handoff. Every play doesn't have to be a 50 yard touchdown, you know, like, and, and I think he's, he's getting that, which is helping things click. Are you good? Like, can I throw in my two cents here? Uh, am I good? After this week, no, all can aside, uh, last you should still week, be good, dude. Like, yeah, so that's this what I'm going to say before the season came out. And you, if you were to tell me, Lewis, the Chargers will be four and two going to the bye, tied for the uh, the, the lead in the AFC West, I would have been ecstatic. Like yeah. I said, they're they're probably one game away from being five and one, actually, with the with the playing the Cowboys, but. I couldn't be more happier of how they went through this gauntlet. Now their schedule eases up. Yeah. 
hopefully they get some more guys back off the injury. Um, you know, uh, Murray, their middle linebacker, hopefully Drew Tranquil comes back. Uh, Justin Jones, he's a, another big body that have been missing because he's decent against the, the rush. But hopefully they start getting these guys that they've been missing for a while back. So I, I'm happy where the team is right now. But this last week was awful. You, you're, you plen- need, you're plenty you need good. A, yeah, you need a game like this, though, to kind of like wake you up and right. kind of humble you. This is this is the NFL. You need to get smacked in the mouth every once in a while. So you and I agree, right? Like we knew this would be a struggle and we both said it coming after a huge game against the Cleveland Browns in a high paced scoring game to come east play in the, the you know, the 1 p.m. Eastern time slot against a roaring Baltimore Ravens team. That, that's a tough task, man. You know, it's a t- would you have liked the game to be a little bit closer than it probably of was? Course. Like, sure, sure. But I don't think – I think the most educated of Chargers fans were expecting to walk out of there with a loss, right? Like, it's, it's – again, just like I said, teams don't often go 0-17. They're, they're not often going 17-0 and either, right, or 16-1, mm-hmm. right? You, you have losses on the schedule, and that's fine. You learn – I think you learn more from losses than you do wins. And I think there's a lot of takeaways that – a young charger team with a, a new coach can take away from this. What I think was the biggest thing is that just game just got away from them early. Right. So we talked about those fourth down things, those fourth down conversion attempts. I, th- I think they even felt pressured and compelled to do those in scenarios where you probably wouldn't. I love the call. Like I love the aggressiveness, you know, but two of those, like you said, yeah, they yielded six points which is not bad, but two of them were deep in their own territory. But this is why I love the NFL, Lou. This is why I love the NFL. Because a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, they converted those fourth downs. Calling similar plays, right? Like they weren't doing anything different. The ball just bounces in mysterious Mm -hmm. ways in the NFL. And that's what causes parity. And it's incredible i love it that's this is why you hear statistics like where one year a team forces 40 turnovers and the next year they force 12 right like it's just the ball bounces in funny and mysterious ways what what to me when, when i go back to the lamar thing about like 211 total yards like so if you didn't watch this game and you just went and looked at the box score you're like how the charges not win this game like lamar threw one td he threw two picks Threw for like 160 yards, like ran for like 50 something yards, didn't even rush for a touchdown. You're like, this defense did everything it was supposed to do to win this football Everyone, game. All those three backs, those uh the game just got away too quick. Like it just it just happened too quickly, and it was tough to surmount that. Hey, Justin Herbert looked human. Good. He's gonna learn from that. Like, I'm I'm happy yeah, for him. You can't play superhuman football 17 weeks out of a season. It just doesn't happen. There is no quarterback. You know, Rodgers has clunkers. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes has clunkers. Brady has clunkers. Every now and then you you have, you just don't, it's not your, it's not your Sunday. Yeah. It, even, even the greats. That's why, hey, listen, one of the greatest football movies of all time is called Any Given Sunday, right? Like on any given Sunday, something can happen. I'm going to talk about something positive. I have two quick negatives. And then we'll roll out of here if you're cool with cool. that. Let's do it. My man, Kazir White. I now know who number 44 is, right? <laughs> and I am on his bandwagon. You mentioned two picks, eight tackles, two passes defense, a QB hit, 
like he's been a bright spot on this defense for a couple weeks in a row. Mm -hmm. So you got to love that maturation process, right? Like how he's playing the game of football, especially with like Kenneth Murray out and like, you know, like people that you've invested in on the defensive side of the ball, like this is like an unsung hero, like coming out of nowhere should be really excited about that. So to me, the offense is never a question in LA. I think they have all of the pieces. I do think they have the pieces on defense, you know, a Bosa, um, Murray, when he's healthy, Derwin James, like they have somebody at all three levels, but to have like this guy who's a converted safety to linebacker playing the way that he's playing, that's a feather in the cap for later in the season. Trust me, this is going to mm-hmm. pay off dividends. So my two negatives, 26 total rushing yards from the LA chargers. Yeah. Last I, I checked like that doesn't win football games and I get it. It's circumstantial. You know, the, again, the game got away quick and you are a pass first offense. So you rested on your laurels. I don't give I don't give a shit what anybody says, Lou. You want to win football games in the NFL? You still have to run the ball. There still has to be a threat of running the football in the NFL. Yeah, because like after the first half, wasn't it still 17 to 6? No, yeah, that's it, not, it's not tremendously out of yeah. you to totally abandon you're, the run. You're, talk, you're talking an easy two-possession game, right? Not yeah. a difficult two-possession game, an easier two-possession game. Here's the biggest concern for me. And this has been happening over the last four weeks. And we haven't talked about it till now. Keenan Allen has not had tremendous production. He hasn't. He's had some big catches in some big spots. Yes. Right. That have been like, there's Keenan Allen, Mr. Reliable. And I'm not just looking at this like for like hundred yard receiving games, but I think in once in the last four weeks, he's topped like 75 yards or 70 yards at that point. And I know it's a balancing act. So as Keenan Allen's production is decreasing, I know Mike Williams is rising, which is cool and like neat as a Chargers fan because you've been waiting for Mike Williams to step it up a little bit. I called him a cap casualty to come into this year, right? And I don't think many people would truly disagree with me. But this passing offense has to go through number 13. And I don't want to hear about defenses scheming towards him. Offensive coordinator, I don't know your offense coordinator's name. I'm comfortable admitting that. Needs to find a way to get number 13 involved. Calls need to be made that scheme this man open. I, Dude, I, I am documented. So, he now okay. is a top five wide receiver in this NFL. He needs to be treated as such. So a couple of things. First and foremost, it's not all on Herbert or offensive coordinator. It's been on Keenan. He hasn't played as good as he has in the past a lot of drop passes as i stated before but uh he just hasn't been uh what he Open. has been yeah as much uh in addition their offense that does like to spread the ball out more than ever uh last last year he was getting like 17 targets a game that was never going to happen because they want to spread the ball out more so I, I i do think he will start seeing more targets and what have you but it hasn't been all on Herbert or the offense coordinator. He also has been uh, not as productive uh, on his end as well. So and it, I think that's indicative of the stats, right? Like when you see a stat line of seven catches for 50 yards, that's not what I expect from 13. It's just not, mm-hmm. it's just not what I expect. Right. Like I, I expect more, but I think this, this team not, needs to come to a realization 
that I don't care what the the maturing process has looked like for Mike Williams, and I'm really happy for him that he's like producing. But if this team wants to be serious, and I believe they are serious, they need more from from Keenan Allen. There's just also, no other way to cut this. I also say I I do think they have a, a different tendency when it comes to the offensive philosophies. I don't think it's like getting players involved. I actually think they use much more analytics and where the fact they look, okay, who's someone that we want to attack on this defense? For example, Anthony Brown with the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Yep. So whoever he's on, we're going to go at him. doesn't matter who it is. If it's Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, or Jalen Guyton, uh, they had the same thing uh, against the Chiefs. DeAndre Baker uh, was their target on that fourth and nine pass. Literally, whoever he was lined up against, that was the call. So whoever, so if, if he went up against someone else, they were going to target someone else. So I think it's more of a philosophy who they want to attack as opposed to, hey, who can we get involved type of thing. And I get all of that, right? Like analytics are one thing, but every once in a while we have to realize this is football. And my best player at that mm-hmm. position should be better than their best player at the position opposite of me. And let's always remember that the wide receiver is at an advantage over the defensive back because, A, they know the play call, and, B, it's impossible to play defensive back in this league right now with PIs and everything else. I just think every now and then you have to force the issue. You have to force the issue. You have to go to your number one guy, and I don't care if it's Marlon Humphrey, Humphrey lined up on him. Or find a way to make sure that you study the fucking defense and Keenan Allen is in the slot dragging across the football field and you know it based on responsibility, a safety has to come down on him or a linebacker has to drop off on him, both of which he's going to beat 99 times out of 100. So I, I hear what you're saying as a fan of this team, but I do put some blame on the offensive coordinator. And I do put some blame on Justin Herbert. Like every once in a while, you have to force the issue. Keenan Allen is a top five wide receiver in this, in the NFL. If you are a pass happy team, there's no reason why he should receive less than 10 targets a game period point blank. It's the way it goes. Cause you're throwing the ball 40 times. So you're going to tell me that you're throwing it less than 20% of the time to your most reliable target. I just, I just don't buy into that. And I just think it's, it's, it's rearing its ugly head over the last four weeks. And I'm sorry that I went on that rant about it. No, listen, that's a long-term issue that they need to address, dude. Okay. And we'll see, you know, this, the buy can happen a perfect week for them. Uh, In fact, let's see how they pretty much make it. What adjustments they make. They already made an adjustment today. They signed Andre Roberts, uh, who was a a pro bowl uh, return man. And you might you, yeah, you might give a look like, yeah, who cares? No, no, but, I, lo- I love the signing, dude. Special teams he, is a phase of this game, man. He, even at his, you know, quote-unquote worst year this year, I think it's like 21 yards per return. I think the Chargers, there's like the top one was like 16 yards. Like, you, so, like, they're, 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 they're already making changes. Like, they're already trying to make changes. And hopefully they realize this run defense is awful. And they start – either making some acquisitions, which they probably won't. They won't make any trades. Um, they should because they have the cap space this year. They still over $12 million this year they can spend. Uh, so they have the cap space. They have the need. And guess what? They're in the position. They're first place. Why would you want to play? just stay the course of the road and let the Chiefs play catch-up 
or what have you, they really should do something. Either it's a signing like a Kwan short or, or, or a trade for Akeem Hicks. Uh, but they need, they need more bodies up on front in that defensive line. They do. They got, they got to bolster the, the run defense for sure. So don't want you to respond to this because we need to move on. Mm-hmm. But they also need to hold open tryouts for kickers, period, point blank. It's an issue. It's, I, yeah. I see it in your face. Like I said, you don't need to respond. You've addressed this. I'm just confirming this. So let's put it to bed. The Chargers are still in phenomenal shape compared to your expectations coming into the season. Of course. Nothing to sneeze at. And we're going to talk a little bit later about how I think they'll be even better shape after this weekend. So okay. all good. 49ers had a bye week. But guess what? I still have some things to say about the 49ers in their bye week. Get them. Lou, I told you this was a situation I'd be monitoring all week long. Trey Lance's injury, Jimmy Garoppolo's injury. Trey Lance hasn't practiced, so we're going to trot out number 10 Sunday night versus the Colts. What did I say a couple weeks ago when they were going to start Trey Lance? I said Kyle left it open to come back to Jimmy. And you last week were actually a proponent of this, which I disagree with, but I understand the philosophy around. And I too was preaching that philosophy for weeks and weeks and weeks leading into the season. But here's the the bigger thing, right? Like while nothing happened this week, because we didn't have a game, I think a lot happened in, in, in reality. I think there is finally discourse amongst the 49ers brass, i.e. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. I believe okay. this. Let's hear it. Why am I concerned about this? Here's the, my main reason for concern. So John Lynch gives an interview with a local respected reporter, Matt Mayoko, where Matt Mayoko asks him, is there a crisis in San Francisco? And John Lynch, while scratching his ear with like the ultimate poker tell responding to this no, we're good. He's like, is yeah, like no nah, there's no crisis in san francisco so i love matt Mayoko. i think he's a really straightforward reporter he's not like pro team he's just like this is what's going on i've i've followed him for a really 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 long time and he's one of my trusted resources that i not that I know that I like go to and I listen to and, 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 and trust what he's putting out there. But I do feel like this was a staged interview. So here's the problem. Okay. Here's the problem. If you have to have an interview to come out and say that there's not a crisis, there's a crisis, right? Like yeah. that's literally where, where, it comes where, did, where did that come from? Yeah. Like, but like, what is that crisis? Like all these rumors are flying. Are Kyle and John on opposite pages? Is Lance the guy Kyle wanted or that John Lynch and Jed York forced upon Kyle? Like this is the chatter that you're hearing in yeah, but this, every, the 49ers I mean, world. When you bring that up to 49ers fans and the people who follow the 49ers are like, you know, Shanahan won't let someone call the offensive plays. You think he's going to let someone tell him which quarterback to use, but he has, he has already in the past. He want he wanted cousins. Yep. So yes. he, so he has, I I agree, but I do I do think this. Like I do, and maybe I'm just convincing myself of this, but this is what I do think. I do think Kyle is infinitely more important than John Lynch. And I think I agree. Executive leadership, Jed York, what has Lynch really done? Well, that's the thing, right? So I think that 
and I hate using this term because I really, obviously I respect John Lynch. Like, how do you not respect John Lynch? An elite NFL football player, Mm -hmm. a hall of fame NFL football player saying that, like, I just think Kyle, he's Kyle's puppet, right? Like Kyle wants these things to happen. I think Kyle handpicked him as a general manager saying, this is a guy that I trust. And I want you to go out there and parade things that I'm saying. But now I think John has got a mind of his own as well, right? And is like, well, shit, I'm in this position. Let me think about some things that I'm doing. So, but what I also think, Lou, is a lot of this like discourse and a lot of this like craziness that is taking place. I just think losing is breeding that, right? Like if you were four and one or even three and two at this point, you can deal with, you can deal with that little dysfunction. Winning cures all issues, right? Losing brings out the negativity amongst everybody. So I just think when you had high expectations and you're at two and three going into a bye week, heading into week seven, of course, there's going to be like chaos, right? But you do have two winnable, two winnable games coming up against Indy and Chicago in a row. And I think some wins here silences the crowd, silences the critics. One other thing that is throwing a wrinkle in like 49ers world right now is obviously no secret. The Indianapolis Colts are coming to town. We traded, traded the Forrest Buckner to the Indianapolis Colts at the start of last season or prior to the start of last season. DeForest Buckner got interviewed by the by the Bay Area media today and talked a lot about the contract negotiation and everything that ended up sending him. And he came out and said that he was willing to accept a home team discount, but yet we still shipped them. And yet we paid. So the question came out, well, hey, were you offered like five years, 80 something million dollars? And he said, no, but that's exactly what we offered Eric Armstead. Right. And we thought, that the Buckner was going to be the more expensive than there's two sides to every story. I totally get this. And it's, it's a pretty cute narrative that he gets the opportunity to talk to Bay media and tell his side of the story, but this is causing even more discourse as to like what's going on. I'm going to talk more about this in a second. So I'm going to end the 49ers like week here Mm -hmm. with one thing. Lou, you asked me prior to the 49ers Cardinals game, two weeks ago, if that was a must win. And I said, no, I said, it's as close to a must win without being a must win. And then last week you even said, Hey, like if you were even at two and four coming out of week seven, you're still competitive in the NFC. And I don't entirely disagree, but what I am saying to you with all of this chaos going on and Jimmy G coming back and Lance injured and who's going to be quarterback and yada, 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 yada. Sunday night, hosting the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday night football is a must win football game period. Yeah. Coming off a bye. Yep. Two weeks to Uh, prepare for a team. Two weeks. That's frankly, have to win that game. That's frankly, it's mediocre. I know they've been playing better as of late, but got to win the football game. Got to win the football game. Because if you can't beat the Colts at home, preparing for them two weeks, uh, who, who can you really compete with? My point. So I think you guys get it done too. I don't, but we'll talk about that in a, okay. in a few. Um, so clearly you can sense from the tone of my voice that I'm freaking out. Yeah, you so are that freaking. Le- so that leads us into I'm freaking out, right? So like what give me your 
I'm freaking out moment, your overreaction moment. What's the team? What's the scenario? What's the situation? Positive, negative. Tell me, tell me it all. I'm going to start with the positive before the negative. Uh, I got a lot of flack this last week, week and a half from a bunch of my buddies who are Cowboys fans saying, how come you guys don't talk about us? We don't, you don't talk, you don't cover us as much as other teams, like your bills, your Packers and you know, your what have you, you know what? I, I got to do better than that. I don't, I don't have any animosity towards the Cowboys. I'm not an NFC. I don't have an NFC team that I follow. So I don't care about the Cowboys in a positive or negative way. Uh, there's only two teams in the world I hate. One is the Jets and the other is the Patriots. Uh, so I have no like skin in this game when it comes to the Cowboys, but damn, the how Jets, about that? The, the Jets is so funny to me because it's like literally one game that it's predicated on that. No, it's, like, like... it's like two, it's like two okay. or three. All yeah. right. But, but I'm like... going to say, I'm going to say though, how about them Cowboys? This past week, Dallas showed me that they can overcome their biggest weakness. Do you know what their biggest weakness is? You're going to tell me. Yeah. Okay. They're coaching. They overcame. Like their McCarthy? talent, yeah, yeah, their talent is so good. I'm talking about McCarthy. Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator, has actually changed and reinvented himself from a guy who was a strictly cover three guy to now more man coverage. I love what I'm seeing from their defense, by the way. More attacking, more I'm aggressive. Saying, yeah. So I wasn't high on Dan Quinn, but once again, I was wrong. He has been phenomenal transforming that defense, and they have a bunch of young talent. So good for him for cultivating that young talent and actually, uh, you know, being very uh, opportunistic when it comes to uh, taking the ball away from opposing offenses, but their talent is so good. The Cowboys that it, sh- it can show that they will overcome Mike McCarthy's mismanagement of the game. And that's exactly what they did this past week. And they were getting out coached, but somehow some way still found that they were able to win the game because of that's how good this team is. So if I'm freaking out in a positive way, the Cowboys are legit because normally nine times out of 10, they would have lost that game against New England and that's a perfect game for them to choke and they did it. So uh, good for them for, uh, you know, figuring things out, having a healthy Dak and a bunch of weapons around, around Dak. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I was always said it bad teams find way to lose. Good teams find ways to win. I think that game was a lot closer than it probably should have been. Go back to the tape. By the way. What did I say? I'm like this game's going to be closer than a lot of people think. And yeah. I knew it. Listen, because of coaching, it's because yes. of coaching. Because in the NFL, coaching actually matters. Coaching is the most Unlike important any thing. other sport. It's it is. Um, so Free I too, ha- I had the two, I too had the Cowboys. I had a couple here just because I didn't know which way you were going to go. Okay. Um, and, and my sentiment's very similar to the Cowboys. So I'll just say like I agree with you. So I'll start positive before I go negative. So I'm going to start positive with the Baltimore fa- Ravens. Mm-hmm. I think the Baltimore Ravens fans are loving life right now. It was doom and gloom in the preseason with constant injuries, specifically at the running back position for a run-heavy team, but they continue to find ways to win as good teams do. 14 players, Lou, on IR since the preseason. I was told that teams who suffer a ton of injuries can't win in the NFL. I mean, that was literally the 49ers excuse in 2020. But they, so far... Six weeks into the season, they have disproved that theory. Here's the reality. Good coaching 
and a really good quarterback mm-hmm. can take you really far in this league. The big one for me, though, is how they will fare without the most recent injury. They're starting left tackle in Ronnie Staley, who's now down for the year. That's an outlier to me. Can they surmount this injury? I do believe they will, and I believe they, they can. Won't, and they won't look back. Like, this team's riding high. They're clicking on all cylinders. They're doing everything right. But I will go back to my previous statement. As long as you have a really good coach and a really good quarterback, which check and check they have, you should be really excited about this Baltimore Ravens team this year. Now, they might not do the 15-2, and 14-3 with 17-game season, but this is a playoff team, a division winner, and they're going to go really deep into the playoffs. I, I I said that last week. I think they might have been one of my overreaction uh, positives. Uh, you that you basically we have the same sentiment when it comes to thinking about the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson because of how much he's changed. So uh, I'm on that bandwagon as well with how far they can go. How about do you this? have a do you have a negative or do you, you have can, a positive? You can go a negative first if you want. I do. do you have a negative? Yeah, no, you have a negative. I don't want to steal your thunder. You know? no, Go ahead. I'm just like, I'm just super negative lately, which is like so the antithesis of what I normally am. Mm-hmm. And this might seem like a, a homer cop out, but I'm I'm freaking out as a 49ers fan, right? Like okay. I'm just freaking Talk to me. Talk out. To me. <laughs> we had a bye week, and I'm freaking out, right? So, <laughs> but I'm genuinely concerned that the rose-colored glasses are no longer in San Francisco. Here's what I'm thinking. This is this is my concept here. So our second-round pick and our two third-round picks in the 2021 NFL draft have barely seen the field. And when I say barely seen the field, I mean one of those picks has barely seen the field. It The other two haven't even sniffed the field. So I'm talking about Aaron Banks out of Notre Dame, who has yeah. been a healthy scratch every single game so far that's concerning trey sermon who's been a part of two football games one of which when the all the other running backs were injured and actually had a great game i don't understand why we're not going back to him but seemingly the the week that mitchell comes back sermon sees like three snaps all game right like it's it's all mitchell the other one is um Amory thomas right a, a a defensive back from Michigan. Michigan. Yes, I know it didn't play in 2020 at Michigan, etc. But you spent a third round pick on this guy and he played literally like in week one and he was like returning kicks and that was like god awful to watch. Yeah, it's not like you don't have an area need for when it comes to defensive backs. Yeah, like if we have that need, like let the rook play. Like growing pains are important. Yeah, like see what you have. See what you invested in. And then you have last year's second first round pick in Brandon Ayuk who just can't seem to get meaningful targets after what most people would classify as a super stellar rookie season, right? And now all of a sudden he's in the doghouse. I won't go into the statistics statistics in terms of like uh, separation yards and things of that nature because he's on par with some of the league leaders. He just doesn't have the targets. He just doesn't have the catches. He just doesn't have the production. So to me, those are some really big whiffs. I won't even get into uh, Kinlaw, Javon Kinlaw, and injuries, right, with his knee that have been holding him out, That your other first-round pick from last year. So those are just big whiffs with early picks. 
that just are not they're impacting this team they're just impacting this team in a very negative way right now it just feels really weird in san francisco like who's to blame is it kyle who i believe makes the decisions here or is it john lynch who on paper you would think makes the decisions here as the general manager is lynch really kyle's puppet is Kyle really soon to be on the hot seat? Like those sort of things. Now I'm disappointed with Kyle without question right now, but I'm not a dummy Lou. And I know if Kyle Shanahan was to be fired tomorrow, he'd, he'd literally be unemployed for less than five minutes, right? Yeah. Like there are other teams that would just legit, just fire their head coach, like right at that moment in time in the middle of the season and say, okay, like you guys are idiots. So I'm going to go ahead and hire this guy. But for an organization that since like 2017 has felt like it's on the same page when this scheme came in, even though we haven't been like super productive, right? Like we have one winning season since 2017. Yeah. It amounted to a Super Bowl appearance, but it just feels like they're in complete opposition with one another. Like, is your window already closed? Like, you're probably wondering, like, was that, was that it? Like, usually that doesn't yeah. happen. You, usually, but like, after that, it's been MIA lately. The talent says no, but everything that's happening, like, off the field and behind the scenes says, yeah, that window is coming on. Um, I just think that the overreaction here is that this team needs a win desperately mm-hmm. to get back on track. Sunday night, you're hosting the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts on national television this team needs to win or the wheels are completely falling off this bus just completely falling off and it's going to be complete discourse and that's 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 what it is man save uh, i was going to ask you like who do you think wins but save for our quick pickums i will uh real quick i won't take too much more time uh browns or my, my other my negative freaking out we love everyone loved including us, what they did this offseason, the talent they added to that defense, their draft picks. We loved everything what Cleveland has done, but sometimes it's just not your year as a team. They have been slammed with injuries to players that are literally critical to their success. Baker Mayfield's out. Hunt is out. Chubb is out. Their two starting tackles, uh, Willis and Conklin, are both out. Clowney missed some time. Garrett is banged up as well, even though he's still playing. I don't know if they can turn this turn this around, all these injuries around, and, sp- and see if they can hang around with Big Brother in Baltimore playing the, the way they are. Uh, and the emergence of Joe Burrow now in the Bengals. They've, they, they're quietly 4-2, the Bengals. Um, now, I'm not saying they're there yet, but they're no longer a rollover team either. So the Browns that a lot of people had going far and doing really good this year, including myself, I think yourself too, uh, I feel because of their injury situation, they're going to find themselves possibly out of it sooner than they thought. Yeah, I think the ba- the Baker Mayfield injury is detrimental. Um, the two running backs, right? Like I, I had my brother-in-law text me earlier today being like, hey, do I play this guy this week? The Yeah, and I had to think for a second. I'm like, who is it? Oh, the third string running back from Cleveland. I'm just like, just probably not, you yeah. know, um, because it, obviously the talent level is just a huge drop off regardless of scheme. 
and now you're starting Case Keenum rolling into Thursday yep. night. Um, an issue, an issue yep. for sure. All, All right, right cool. let's pick. Let's pick some. Uh, now this is the segment where we pick offensive, defensive players that stood out for us this past week. I'm going to default to you first because I want you to start going first more. So tell me for offensively, who is your your go to guy? You like that? You like that? Kirk wow. Cousins, baby. 33 of 48 for 373 yards and three TDs, a 112.6 rating in a win in an overtime game. Um, I'm just liking what I'm seeing from the Vikings right now. Like, I, you know, I knew, like, they got off to a cold start, and I knew just talent-wise they're a better football team than their record indicated. Uh, but for me, game ball on the offensive side of the ball week this week it is a hundred percent Kirk Cousins. All right, like I told my uh, fellow friends, my fellow uh, Dallas Cowboy fans and enthusiasts, uh, I will start talking them up more because it is it is warranted. We we kill them when they do bad. You might as well when they're doing good. You might as well praise them. them. Yep. Uh, CD Lamb. Nine catches, 149 yards, and two touchdowns, including the game winner. He balled out and showed who I thought was the best uh, wide receiver in that draft. With, a, with even with Jefferson, Ruggs, and Judy, um, he showed he's showing that he's becoming a complete wide receiver. So he was one of my offensive players of the week. I have CD on my list. I have Dak on my list. Do you got one more that you want to do? I got two more I can do real quick. Do uh, one. De- do one. Do okay. One. Uh, you know what? This was a bigger Derrick Henry, 20 carries, 143 yards, three touchdowns, 7.2 uh, yards per, uh, per carry average. Yep. So I had Henry here. So I'll do one more too. Even though Taylor had a better line, I feel like Jonathan Taylor, but he it, did. Wasn't as big, it wasn't as big as a game. I had, I had Taylor on my list too. So 14 for 145 and two, two tutties. It's a 10.4 average per carry. That was impressive with Taylor. But I, 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 just, I, I keep understand. this in perspective, an 83-yard carry, right? Yeah, um, I get it. I get it. But if you look at the other 13 touches that equate to that, you're still averaging over five yards carry, yeah. which is a, a strong indication of a solid performance in the NFL. Yeah. So um, a lot of cool offensive performances. What was mm-hmm. really cool was to see that like a, not a lot of them were – your quarterbacks, which is pretty traditional, yep. right? Like you had some other skill positions contributing. So let's go. I am equally excited about the defensive side of the ball. You go first. All right. So my number one, Kaiser White from that Los Angeles Chargers. Eight tackles, a tackle for a loss, two passes defensed, one QB hit, and two INTs in a game. Where Lou, when you go down against the Baltimore Ravens 17 nothing in the manner in which they did on the defensive side of the ball, it's really easy to give up. Mm-hmm. What I loved about number 44 is he did not give up in this game, and he tried to make an impact play on every single snap. So, Kazir White, this game ball is for you this week, sir. The beauty of contract years. Uh, so, <laughs> I have TJ Watt. Uh, he balled out this past week. He had seven tackles, three tackles for a loss, two sacks, three pass defenses, and one forced fumble. He literally almost had something up in every category in the stat sheet right there. Very impressive with TJ Watt, complete player. Uh, so kudos to him for balling out this week. 
Yeah, I had TJ on my list too, right? I think the most important thing was that forced fumble happened in overtime. I was more yeah, impressed Seattle, by the the pass defenses by him. Oh, I mean, I don't, I, wanna, was... I don't want to criticize a man, but JJ would have picked those off. You know, I'm just I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> Do you got another on defense? Because I got one more. I got one more too. Uh, Max Crosby, ah, six sacks, right. three on the same sacks. Base. Yeah, the same I mean, we never yeah. have a three sack game. That yeah. that's that's you got to be mentioned. I did actually going back through the week, there was a couple solid defensive performances from a there number were, of players. There were like I had Taylor Rapp as well. Yeah, Five tackles, three passes defense, a QB hit. So he's getting mm-hmm. some pressure right from the safety position, two picks. So and also really I, cool I mean, week. Uh, we need the stat boy, but I think another reason why you liked him this week, you know, he's a former Husky, Washington Husky. Uh, Bro, you know I love my Husky uh, defensive DBs. back. Yeah, you know, I almost had Trayvon Diggs just because it was almost too easy. Like another week, another pick, another defense, uh, defensive touchdown. But I didn't like that big touchdown. I know scheme wise, it probably didn't feel like man to man, but I also think he pulled the typical diva D back stuff where like yeah, once yeah. he got by him, kind of looked at the safety, like, where are you, you know, for a big touchdown in a big spot. But like, dude just continues to put up stats. Um, love them. All right. So we head into week seven. Not the sexiest of schedules this week, Lou. No, not really. What are you watching? Do you want to go first again? Or do you want me to go? I'll go first. I I'll go care. first. Go yeah, ahead. I'm, I'm just feeling like that. Tonight's the night. Number one item of interest is the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Tennessee Titans. In, in particularly King Henry, and that's what I have here. I'd yeah. love to see what's going to happen with that. So this is in Tennessee. Both teams got back on track last week after reeling a little bit, right? I think the, the Titans did it in a huge way against the Buffalo Bills where Kansas City did it in an expected way against an ailing Washington football team. They did struggle against them. Yes, they did. The first half this, or so. This is two preseason favorites in the AFC who have hit skids, and I think both of their identities have been questioned so far this season, and they're slipping a little bit. I think the winner of this game is right back in it. Is right. It, their confidence is rolling. To me, this is just the this is the biggest game on the schedule without question. Okay, I'm going to stay in the AFC. Because I believe the AFC is the best conference there is. Uh, Bengals versus Ravens. Great game. Can't wait. You got to think about it, ready? Ravens, five and one. Bengals, four and two. Can the Bengals make a little noise? I'm not talking about beat the Ravens. If they beat them, I mean, that's a lot of noise. But if they, if they make a little noise, keeping it close uh, to, to show that, hey, we're not going to be happy being your little brother anymore. And or does Baltimore start? This is like where they start just running away with the division. Here they are when you when you beat your uh, divisional opponent. That's really like two wins because you knock your your division uh, arrival down one, and you have another win too. So that's actually a two game effect right there. So I want to see how the Bengals are going to you know play against the Ravens. Uh, usually these games are close because they're in, within division, but it should be interesting to see if they can confuse Joe Burrow like they did Justin Herbert. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll reserve the outcome for when we get to the, the pick them section of this, but I agree. I do have one more that I'm, okay. I'm interested in and it's, it's, it's a Homer pick, 
But Sunday night. I have that game too. Sunday night, 49ers hosting the Colts. For me, this is for all the obvious reasons, Lou. But there's one overlooked importance of this game. And to me, it's because so far the NFL is undefeated in prime time matchups on Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night games. They have all been close. They have all been competitive. And even though some of them have been sloppy at times and like maybe not the most entertaining, they've been must watch television. This is like the best thing to ever happen to the NFL to have these games and those primetime spotlights. And I want to see if this game continue trend or can continue the trend. It, it's just one of those things, dude, where I just I kind of feel like one of these teams is probably going to get mopped up. And I'm not like super positive about it. Um, the 49ers are favored according to the spread, but to me, they feel very much like the underdogs. And as I said it earlier, this is a must win game for the 49ers. But outside of this being a homer pick, to me, this game is equally as valuable to the NFL to ensure that they maintain the competitiveness of their primetime matchups. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, before the season started, both the Niners and Colts were held in such high regard to being legitimate contenders, and they've all got—they've both gone off to a really rocky road uh, to start the season off. And I feel like a win here could possibly be that catapult to start that trip, like that—that that reversing of course and starting to fix themselves. So whoever win here, I feel like really can you know start changing their narrative of the season. Yep. You got another, or would you want to get into the pickums? Let's get to the pickums. All right. Thursday night, tomorrow night, Broncos at Browns. I don't know what would make anyone say Browns. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it would have to be Broncos there. This is Broncos. With, with all those injuries. All right. Let's get into Sunday. First game up, Panthers at New York, New York football Giants. Give me the Giants. I'm, 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 uh, I, uh, there's been a tremendous amount of regression from the, the Panthers last three weeks. They've been 0 and 3 last three weeks. Giants defense is decent. I feel like the Panthers offense has been really sluggish. And I think this is one of those weird games that the Giants just win. I just think this is a get right game for Carolina. I just, I, Lou, I'm a giant season ticket holder. Like my family, like it, it's bad in New York right now. Like it's bad. I'm, I'm going with Carolina. Speaking of New York, Jets at Patriots. Patriots. Patriots here, too. Chiefs at Titans. I'm going to say Chiefs, believe it or not. See, I'm, I'm going Titans. I think I think this is one of those games where you're like, hey, look, you just came off. This is the Chargers-Browns all over again, right? Like, just came off of this, like, super stoked win. But I think the difference – for the the Titans in this instance is they've run the football so well, right? Like, and the consistency is there and Kansas city's defense is as poor as defenses could possibly be right now. And another scenario, I think if King Henry tops a hundred yards rushing, this is a Titans win all day. I'm going Titans. Okay. The Washington football team at the green Bay Packers has to be the Packers. Yeah. I'm, I'm pack all day. The Atlanta Falcons at the ailing Miami Dolphins. Ooh, this one's a tough one. It's at Miami. It's at Miami. Atlanta just came off a bye. You know what? Give me Miami. 
Yeah, I got. I think I have Miami here too. And to me, the the scale is tilted just because it's a home game. I mean, yeah. that's literally what it amounts to. But you know, you're going from a a turf team to an artificial yeah. grass team. I'm going Miami. Um, next game up, Cincinnati Bengals at Baltimore Ravens. I'm gonna tell you, uh, it's gonna be closer than people probably would project. But I, I still, how can you go against Lamar? Can't. You can't. I think this is Ravens all day, but I think this is like a three-point game, right? This is a division. I think it's game. a back and forth. I think it's a lot yeah. of high scoring. Yeah, but I think the winner is who's got the ball last, and I think it's a three-point game is what yeah. it comes down to. All right, you got the zero and six lines at the five and one Rams. Uh, revenge game. So obviously, I'm going with the Rams. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Jared Goff. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I think this is like a sixteen-point spread, which in the NFL is like unheard of. It might even be more than that. I'm I'm Rams. Like I, that. I would I would take the Lions to cover that. That's the truth. I I wouldn't. They they've been, they've been playing team stuff. Yeah, but this is coming to LA. Stafford's Stafford wants He's to just prove to it. the right decision. <laughs> you already got the brass. You literally have Dan Quinn. Uh, excuse me, Dan Quinn. Dan Campbell coming out and being like, I need more from my quarterback, which which is like a little weird because the reality is like so. you knew what you were getting when you traded for him yeah. and you traded him for the picks. You didn't trade for yeah. the quarterback compensation, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. Eagles at Raiders. I'm gonna go Raiders. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Raiders too. I'm like what they're doing. Texans at Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah, Cardinals. Bears at Bucks. Let me go Bucks. Colts at Niners. I'm going Niners, man. I'm going Colts. I think that's just you just guarding your heart or whatever you said to me before when I used to deal with the Chargers. I, I, if you can't. I, I think it's it'd be. No, I don't. I be, I believe this team is coming off a bye at home. I just think this team's on tilt right now. It's 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 not. It's not Carson Wentz is one sneeze away from a, like a like a torn you know ankle triple, triple hamstring injury. Yeah, like <laughs> Carson Carson Wentz sprained all ten of his fingers. Yeah. All right. Monday night, Saints at Hawks. Yeah, I go Saints. Yeah, I'm going Saints. No Russell Wilson, no chance in Seattle. Fun, fun thing is, uh, I think the Seahawks are actually zero two at home too. So then they haven't been playing good at home. Granted, one of them was against what with uh, Geno Smith as quarterback, but still. Uh, that used to be an awful place to go to on opposing teams, and it hasn't translated this year. Yeah, I just I, – again, it's, it's – it's, the teams go as quarterbacks go, and the Seahawks yeah. have gone as Russell Wilson's gone for a long, long time. You see real quick how invaluable Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are without Russell Wilson there. I think uh, – I think the Saints win this one. I think it'll be competitive because it is home and it's still. And you always got Jameis when Jameis is the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, it's always. I'm telling my friend negative. (laughs) I mean, listen, if if he turns the ball over, hey, game changes. All right, so we're out of our picks. Real quick though, uh, next week I'm giving you a homework assignment. See, like, what our I records will, I will, yeah. I will, I will. I'll come back and, and listen and, and remember what our picks were. I think the only one that we're opposites on is the Chiefs game and uh, the Giants the game, Giants and Panthers game, and the Colts Niners, right? So there's yeah. only three games that I really got, but I, I will come back and make sure that I'm confident on, like, what our – and we'll do that week 
moving forward. Yeah. I think what I'll start to do is I'll write down what we're saying or like highlight some way somehow so I can come back and easily fact check instead of having to listen to us for 40 minutes. Who right. would want to listen to us? Man. So I'm me. I'm probably the only one who listens to us multiple times. So final and favorite segment. I, I say this every single time. Fantasy sleepers of the week. And again, that's just the title of our segment. Lou, you know what I'm always looking for. I'm not looking for... You must play Dalvin Cook this week. He has a favorable matchup. I am looking for, I have an injured quarterback. I got 30 people on COVID. I got 10 other people on IR. Who am I plugging in based on bye weeks, et cetera? Our, our pets' heads are falling off. Yeah, like who am I playing? Tell me who I'm playing. Uh, well, I have a couple of good tight ends. Uh, Mike Isecki with the return of Tua Tungavaloa. I have uh, no tight ends, by the way. What happened? I have, oh, no, okay. I have no tight ends, by the so way. So I feel like uh, Gasecki against Atlanta will be uh, – uh, he always plays good when Tua's uh, under under center. So uh, look for to, uh, Mike Gasecki to actually ball out. Last week he did good too. They get over 100 yards too. Of course, I, I sat him for Dawson Knox, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but also of Ricky Seals-Jones. Uh, he did pretty good against Kansas City. And what's the best thing for an, a mediocre to average quarterback? Tight end. It's their tight end, their security tight blanket. They go home that, at night just dreaming about dumping off and hopefully just him getting the extra yardage. So he did good last week. Uh, I, I predict he's going to do good as, as, as well. And last but not least, Jalen Waddle. Uh, he did good. Once, I know you're not too a fan, neither am I, but he's severely better than uh, Jacoby Brissett. And yeah. it showed uh, with the numbers that some of these players, these playmakers were actually putting up last week. Hence, it was, it was against the Jaguars. I get that. But Atlanta, they're not too far. They're not too much better than the Jaguars defense. So uh, that's why I'm, I'm throwing out some Miami players. Yeah, I'm, I'm relatively similar to you right in this week. Um, so I legitimately cannot believe I'm even speaking these words. But to a tug of Viola. I think yeah. is a, a, a start this week. Um, but this one to me is just about matchups, period, point blank. Um, he had a solid game against Jacksonville and London last week, drew the Falcons this week, which is a favorable matchup. So if you have Josh Allen or Kirk Cousins or somebody that's sitting on a bye week this week or you have Baker Mayfield who's injured and um, obviously not playing on Thursday night, this is an opportunity in, in a favorable matchup. I have two others because you threw out there too. Um, one of them is uh, J.D. McKissick. Okay. So, Lou, to me, J.D. McKissick, it just always feels like he gets more burn as the season progresses, right? I think he's like one of those guys, and I do this. I'm guilty of this. I have him in two leagues where I, I draft him and I Drop stash. Him. And I know yeah. I stash him. I just stash him and hope that I can hang on to him and don't have to draft him because I feel like as the season progresses, he gets more and more relevant. You got Antonio Gibson, who's a little banged up. Um, I little he has a he has a fractured shin. Shin, yeah. So I can't even name who their other backup actual like first and second down running back is. Um, and the way that this game flow will go, it's probably going to get out of hand early, and that just plays into JD McKissick's favor. And like we've always said, fantasy doesn't care about the score or the outcome of the game; it cares about favorable matchups. Uh, and game flow and i think this will play to them so if you have injuries you have bye weeks you have players out due to covid or whatever it is um mckissick is your guy to, to start this week 
little caveat there is maybe even Michael Carter um, from the New York Jets. Looks like he started to get a little bit of the, the lion's share, if you will, last week. It'll be about production. Um, but if trends continue and, and you're in a tight spot, which I am in one league due to <laughs> seven people on IR, three people out with COVID, um, Michael Carter is getting in the starting lineup. But my final, <laughs> my final guy is Henry Ruggs. Again, more words than I am shocked that I am actually speaking. I am not a believer in Henry Ruggs. I won't even get into the bet that I have with my next door neighbor right now about Henry Ruggs versus Jerry Judy and things that we have going over the next, like literally three years of our lives related to this. To me, Ruggs coming out of college was like a one trick pony. Um, I thought he was a product of the offense and other really good wide receivers that he had around him outside of him. He's proven to be nothing but inconsistent in the NFL. But I do think last week was not an anomaly. I think it was a little bit of his coming out party in the offense, finally finding a way to recognize what his talent is. And he draws the lifeless defense of the Philadelphia Eagles this week. So again, if you are in a COVID or injury or bye week scenario, and you have Henry Ruggs on your bench and you've been hesitant every week. And then you're mad that you had him on your bench last week. And he put up, I don't even know what it was, 20 points or whatever it might be. Uh, I think this is the week that he finds your, himself at the very least in your flex, if not one of your wide receiver, wide receiver positions. Yeah. I mean, I should apologize first and foremost, uh, about last week, my two picks last week were god awful. It was Javante Williams against the Raiders and Taylor Heineke against the Chiefs. They did not amount to anything. My, uh, but the week before, well. I did good. It was Dawson Knox. Uh, that's why this hit or miss, you know, it's hit or miss, bro. Or fantasy, not. what have I always told you? Lucky versus good, dude. I'm not even gonna lie. In one league, I was a 60 point favorite going into this week and I got mopped mopped bro i got mopped by people like oh my god uh who, who's the wide receiver down in jacksonville that used to marvin jones i don't marvin know why jones. i was like marvin jones having a baller week christian kirk having a baller week like dude when you looked at the lineup that i was facing versus who's on my team you're like bro i don't even have to monitor this and i got mopped dude and that's with josh allen and and uh, Derrick Henry doing what they did this week and got mocked. Mm -hmm. Um, Better to be lucky than good. Always Um, names will remain nameless. The individual who mopped me does listen to our show. So he'll have a good chuckle at this if he makes it this far into it. So that wraps us up for week six. Um, Inevitably we will be back for week seven coverage. Really looking forward to watching some of these games this weekend. Lou, like I always do, going to rely on you to tell the audience how they can find us, where they can follow us. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WTF Pod NFL. Yep. And, and like I did last week, and I'll continue to do moving forward, we're doing our darndest to uh, promote our presence on YouTube. Uh, Lou and I are doing the best we can to be graphic artists and <laughs> video specialists. Uh, it will come with time. I, I promise you that. But check us out on YouTube at W E apostrophe R E 
talkingfootball.com. Hope you'll check it out. Hope you'll like it. Hope you'll subscribe. Lou, as always, really enjoyed our time together and look forward to doing this again next week, sir. Until next week, bro. Adios, my man.